Evening, some uh, new Stephen ministers who've just completed their training. So those that are in uh, in the room in attendance, uh, Karen, come on up. Who else is in the room? Love to have you come up, uh, Julie, as well. There are four who have just uh, gone through the training. So Julie. Eler, Ted Cable, Karen Sheffield, Mike Sheffield, come on up here. I want to pray for them. Um, if you don't know about Stephen Ministry, it's one of our care and recovery ministries. That uh, uh, These are people that have just completed 50 hours of training on how to be a compassionate listening ear, uh, compassionate listening presence for someone who's going through uh, difficult life situations, loss, job transition, um, all sorts, I mean, kind of any stress, pressure, uh, difficulty in life. These are trained people that uh, anyone can call the church and say, I'd love a Stephen minister. And, and so these people then, they uh, we meet weekly for an hour at a time for as long as you need them. And so they're just kind of this, this ministry of care. Uh, as we move through life's journey. And so uh, these are people that have done a lot of training. And there's these four that we're praying for today, but there are other Stephen ministers. And so it's, a, it's just an important ministry in the church. And we really appreciate you guys, appreciate the training and uh, the ministry. You commit for like a two-year thing, right? So uh, it's a training plus uh, the, the rest of the months for, for the two years. So let's pray for uh, Julie and Karen, Mike and Ted Cable this morning, as well as the other Stephen ministers. So, Father, we thank you for, um, for Julie, for Ted, for Karen, for Mike. We thank you for just the, their willingness to follow you into this ministry. It is a big responsibility. They've gone through all this training. And, uh, God, we thank you that you have uh, given them compassionate hearts to, to be men and women that are willing to show up in another person's life, to, to, to be there, to listen, to... Uh, to uh, kind of really be your presence in the life of another. And so we pray that you would guide them as they meet with people, that you would quit them, uh, even beyond the training, God, with your, just your love and your compassion, your wisdom, that you would guide them as they, they sit with people, as they listen, as they offer uh, ministry to people. And, and God, we're so grateful that uh, this ministry exists here at Faith. We pray for all of our Stephen ministers that you would strengthen and guide and lead them. And that uh, for any of us who go as care uh, receivers, God, that uh, we would really benefit in a deep way, uh, experience you through this ministry. And so, God, we commission Julie, Ted, Karen, and Mike today as Stephen ministers. We thank you for them. Thank you for this ministry. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it, you guys. You can have a seat. Um, Stephen ministry is really for anyone. Uh, so if you feel like, boy, I think I could use that right now in my life, the best way to do it would be either to email Bill Moore, just bill at faithmanhattan.org, or call the church office, and uh, Debbie will get you in connection with uh, the person who um, kind of does the placement. It's completely confidential. So like even one Stephen minister doesn't know who's meeting with whom. So it's a very confidential ministry, and we would commend it to you. I want to read our passage that we're looking at today. Today is Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching 
everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is God's word. This past Monday, this little guy, Brooks Andrew Anderson, was born to our oldest son, Drew, and uh, his wife, Cass. Uh, Cindy and I actually last Friday decided let's go out. We were, we were kind of the grandparents on call to be there to watch their other kids while uh, they were in the hospital. And so uh, Brooks was born on uh, uh, Monday out in Colorado. And, uh, you know, as grandparents, of course, we think he's the most beautiful baby in the world, right, along with our other grandkids. We all grandparents think this. But uh, when you think about a little baby like this and what our son and daughter-in-law hope and will seek for Brooks, that he'll grow up to be a healthy, thriving, flourishing man who does good in this world, that, that you know, they, they, will, they will pray and they will work to help him grow up to love Jesus and to follow him with all of his heart. And so really starting now and continuing for the next 18 years, there will be a kind of intensity and sacrifice and flat out hard work to help him become that kind of person. They will love, and they will teach, and they will train, and they will model um, a kind of life to him. They will give and give of themselves to make this happen. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the life you're living right now with your young children. But here's the deal. Any good-hearted parent will have no problem paying such a price because it's what a good parent wants to do for their children. It's joy to pay this price for the good of their children, to see their child come to maturity. It is worth it. It's worth it. Today we're looking at Colossians 1, 24 through 29, where Paul describes his ministry. And we'll see him almost kind of essentially like a, like a good parent saying, he is willing to pay the price and to work hard to help others come to maturity in Christ. But he's willing to do this because he believes it's worth it. God is worth it. In final verse that Sam preached on last Sunday, verse 123, Paul makes a statement that he's been made a minister of the gospel. And so with that statement, he begins to describe his ministry to which God has called him. Paul was called as, as an apostle by the will of God. And so... For Paul, there's a, a kind of a scope and authority and, and that, that's part of his ministry, his calling that, that is going to be unique. And yet, like Paul, we too were called to make disciples of Jesus. And so, as Paul describes his ministry here, he models some important things that, that must be part of how we seek to make disciples, whether we're talking about our children, whether we're talking about uh, people that... that in our life group or we're Sunday school teachers or friends or people we're mentoring, uh, whoever it might be, Paul models some things that are just important as we think about making disciples of Jesus. And so we want to kind of look at how he describes his ministry, what we can learn from his model, how we can apply that to ourselves. So Paul first says he rejoiced in his suffering for the Colossians. He rejoices in his suffering. Look at verse 24 again. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. 
So Paul, in seeking to establish the gospel among the Gentiles, he'd suffered. Uh, he'd suffered a lot. If you've read through some of his other letters, I mean, he describes some profound ways that he had suffered. This letter, he's writing from prison. I mean, he has suffered for the sake of, he says, Christ's body, the church. And since the Colossians are part of the church, his suffering was for them, even though he had not met them personally. Paul says he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What in the world does that mean? Most commentators call that the most difficult phrase in this letter. Clearly, Paul is not saying that there is something lacking in Christ's redemptive work, right? This, this word afflictions, the original word, uh, is never used to refer to any of Christ's work on the cross. And so, Scripture's clear, profoundly clear that, clear that Christ's death and resurrection is fully sufficient to accomplish our salvation. Paul will make that clear in chapter 2 of, of Colossians, that, that that is secure. And so, uh, what many commentators believe that Paul's talking about here is something called the messianic woes. It's the idea that at the end of time, before the second coming of the Messiah, there will be a kind of suffering by the corporate body of Christ, which Jesus calls birth pains. For instance, in Matthew 24, after describing the wars and conflict and famines and earthquakes that will precede his return, Jesus says this, All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And so to be the people of God is to participate in these birth pains that, that usher in the kingdom of God. And, and the idea that there's a certain amount of suffering that needs to be filled up, it's, there was a, a Jewish teaching that taught that God had sort of established a quota of suffering that, that would be accomplished by his people before the kingdom of God is ushered in. And so Paul may be kind of referring to that idea. It's a hard phrase to understand. But what is clear is that Paul had suffered for the benefit of the Colossians. But he didn't complain about the things that he suffered. No, he rejoices in his sufferings. He rejoiced because his suffering brought about spiritual benefit for the sake of the body of Christ, the church. Verse 25, he continues to talk about his ministry on behalf of the church. He says of the church, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was, in that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And so he says, I, I became a minister. I became a servant of the church. And he, he calls it a stewardship from God. He didn't choose it. God chose him for this assignment. He says his stewardship was for them. He was for the Colossians. He was specifically called to ministry to the, to the Gentiles. And he says specifically it was to make the word of God fully known. And it's possible that could mean fully known in the sense of an individual believer kind of fully comprehending the word of God. But I think he's probably talking about the scope of the, the gospel going out among Gentiles. He's kind of thinking about the reach and the scope of the gospel being established among the Gentiles. Verse by verse, as, as Paul goes on, as he introduces concepts, he keeps drilling down into what he's talking about. And so in verse 26, he goes on to describe this word of God that he seeks to make fully known. And he calls it the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. This is what he's seeking to make known, the mystery. When you think about the word mystery in, in our English language, uh, it 
it has a sense of mysterious, right? Something we just don't know. In the scriptures, however, it means something formerly hidden or unknown, which God has made known now to his people. It's something only known because God has revealed it. And God has done exactly that. He says he has revealed it to his saints, which if you remember, saints is, is every believer, right? So he has revealed it to every believer. Paul uses this term mystery a lot. If you read through his letters, uh, it's a term that he uses a lot. Sometimes it refers to the whole gospel. Sometimes it refers to an aspect of the gospel. Here it focuses on the idea that the Gentiles are, are part of this. The Gentiles are included in the, in the gospel. You see this in verse 27. So he says he's revealed it to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The basic idea of what Paul's saying here is it was God's sovereign choice to make the mystery, the gospel, known among the Gentiles. And he specifically calls the mystery Christ in you, the hope of glory. The, the mystery that is now revealed is that Christ dwells within believers and Gentiles are part of that. It's not just, his plan was never just for the Jews. It includes, includes the Gentiles. And to have Christ dwelling within means that the Colossians are spiritually rich. And, and Paul loves to use the term riches to describe the, the blessings that God pours out upon his people through Christ. Think about what it means to have Christ dwell Within. Think about it in light of what Sam preached on last week, that, that glorious passage that is describing the supreme Christ, right? I mean, the one who dwells within us is the image of the invisible God. He's the one by whom all things were created, the one who holds all things together, the one who is the head of the church, the one who made peace through the blood of the Christ, the cross. This one is the one who dwells within every believer. We have riches in Christ. He dwells within. This is the mystery. And Paul calls the one who dwells within us, Christ in us, he's the hope of glory. Back in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he, he described this, this as the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so the idea is that the, because of the indwelling Christ, every believer has hope of experiencing final glory. We have that hope. So this is the mystery that Paul's making known among the Gentiles. This is the mystery, Christ in you, that he had suffered much to make known among the Gentiles. But he didn't complain. He rejoiced. He believed the suffering was worth it because of the benefit, the spiritual benefit it brought to others. What Paul models for us here is a life of caring more about people coming to know Jesus than his own comfort that he rejoiced in his own suffering because it brought, brought spiritual benefit to others, shows that he wasn't motivated to protect his life, to be comfortable, to play it safe. His calling was to make Christ known among the Gentiles. And when he saw that happening, even at his own cost, even at his own suffering, he rejoiced for, because of the benefit in other people's lives. As I think about what Paul models here, rejoicing in his suffering because of the benefit it brings others, I have to ask myself, do I have a willingness to suffer for the gospel? Do we have a willingness to suffer 
for the gospel, to suffer to see the gospel come to people who don't know Jesus yet. As we seek to help others come to know Christ and to grow up in Him, it may involve a kind of suffering. Probably not going to be the kind of suffering that Paul experienced, beatings, imprisonment, these kind of things. However, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world do suffer in this way to proclaim Christ. For us, it's probably going to be um, being uncomfortable, being thought strange sometimes, sacrifices to our schedule, these kinds of things. These are the kind of things that we may have to suffer. We are called to make disciples of Jesus, and, and, and it's hard work. Paul's expressing it's hard work, and sometimes this requires suffering. Do we care enough? Do I care enough about the spiritual standing of others that I'm willing to suffer, that I'm willing to be uncomfortable? Do, I, do we long for others to find spiritual riches in, in Christ that, that even if we have to suffer for them to find this treasure, that we will rejoice? This is what Paul models for us. He suffered, but he rejoiced in his suffering in light of the benefit that it meant for others. God, give us such concern for others that we're willing to suffer, whatever that might mean for them to know Christ and grow up in Christ. As Paul goes on, he talks about the focus of his ministry, which was to present others mature in Christ. He wanted to present others mature in Christ. Look at verse 28. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's an interesting transition in this verse. Throughout this passage, Paul has used... uh, kind of the singular pronouns, right? He said, I rejoice, my sufferings in my flesh, I became a minister. But here he says, we proclaim. He uses the plural, right? And so he's broadening up and, and it's certainly including his coworkers that he'll write about in this letter. We proclaim Christ. But, it, but it's possible he means all of us. He means anyone that, that proclaims Christ, who participate in this mission of proclaiming Christ. And so Christ was at the very heart of the message that Paul and his co-workers proclaimed. And he says there are two aspects to this. We, we warn people, and, and that has a sense of warning, admonishing. He says we warn or admonish everyone. And so it, it's the warning of, you know, believers who are maybe tempted to stray. He is speaking to a church. He's writing to a church where there were false teachers, and there was a, there were, there was a message that was seeking to draw them away from Christ. And so there's this ministry of warning, admonishing people to not walk in error, to not believe error. And so it involved that. Proclaiming Christ involved that, but, but it also involved teaching. So Paul and his co-workers, they taught spiritual truths. They revealed spiritual truths. They taught about, about Christ. That's what his letter is doing. That's what all his letters do is, is, is teaching and educating about spiritual realities. Paul says they did all this. They did it with all wisdom. Wisdom from God, right? This, this was not something they did on their own. They understood that God was the source of this wisdom. And, and so it's a reminder for us as we seek to teach others, we need God to guide us. We need his wisdom as we seek to proclaim Christ. Notice that this focus on proclaiming Christ, it was for everyone. Three times in this passage, he uses the word everyone. We, we warn everyone. We teach everyone. Why? That we might proclaim, uh, or that we might present everyone mature in Christ. No one's left out. No one's left out. It's possible that 
he repeats his statement over and over again that the scope of the ministry included everyone because the false teachers kind of advocated a sort of elitism that, that salvation wasn't for everyone. It's for a special few, but Paul's saying it's for everyone. We want to present everyone mature in Christ. And, and that idea of presenting is, is the sense of formally presenting something to a superior, like presenting an offering in worship. And I think he probably has in view the end of time and seeing believers presented before God at the end of time mature. Again, as I think of what, about what, what Paul models for us, for us um, a couple thoughts come to mind. First, this ministry of helping others come to maturity it's for everyone. It's for everyone. We proclaim. Jesus has given us the work of making disciples to all. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for people who are gifted in teaching. It's not for a few special people in the church. It's for all of us in some way. And the, you know, the context is going to look different. We have different giftings in this. But, but together, as we use our gifting, this is for all of us proclaiming Christ. Who has God uniquely given you an opportunity to influence for Christ? Who has God given you the opportunity to help mature in Christ? You know, one of the things I love about Rooted is it proclaims Christ. It helps those who participate in it kind of mature in Christ. I have received that benefit myself. And so if you've been kind of wavering and wondering if you should do it, this summer, I would encourage you to take the jump and do it. It will help you mature in Christ. But I would also encourage you to think about this. So, sometimes the way we proclaim Christ is inviting people to join us in things. And so one way you could proclaim Christ is with a friend, say, hey, let's do this together because it will proclaim Christ to them. It will help them grow up in Christ. The other thing I, I see in Paul's model here in, in seeking to help others grow, he models that Christ needs to be at the very center of the message that's proclaimed. Paul doesn't proclaim politics. He doesn't proclaim religious rituals. He's not proclaiming 10 steps to self-improvement. He's not proclaiming his own opinions. He preached the message of Christ. And that's the message that we need to proclaim as we seek to help others mature in Christ. I think sometimes in our polarized world where there's these cultural battles over this issue or that issue that, that we can get so focused on and so fired up about this issue or that issue that we begin to make those issues the things that we are centered on. We make those issues that we are proclaiming. And I'm not saying those things are not important, that we shouldn't address those things. But what I am saying is our calling is to make disciples. And the way we do that is proclaiming Christ, the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ, in all its fullness and all that that means. That is what we're called to do. That is how people are presented mature in Christ. It's by focusing on Christ. As I've thought about this this week, I think it's for me, and it's probably true for many of us, is the, re the, the reason we get off topic and, and we don't make Christ what we proclaim is that maybe we're not captivated by Christ in the way that we should be. I know that's true in my life. Sometimes I'm just not captivated by him in the way I should be. Again, when you think about the passage that Sam preached on last week, this marvelous, glorious portrayal of Christ, 
If I could just get a glimpse of that, right? If we could just get a little glimpse of that. I mean, Jesus, he's like the, he's the brightest star. He's the shine. I mean, if, if he truly would walk into the room, I mean, we would, have, we would be so captivated by him, right? If we, if we would become captivated by Christ, we couldn't help but proclaim Christ. What we love, what we're, what we're captivated by, we proclaim. We all do this. And so I think if there's any lack for me or for us in proclaiming Christ, maybe it's we're not captivated like we need to be. So again, God, help me become captivated. Help me get the passage that we looked at last week. Help me understand who Jesus truly is, because I think if we do that, we could not help but talk about Christ everywhere we go. Paul proclaimed Christ that he might present everyone mature. Finally, Paul says that this ministry of seeking to present everyone mature was, was not something he did on his own strength. He ministered in Christ's power. Look at verse 29. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The thing for which Paul toiled was to present everyone mature in Christ. And this toil, it's in the present tense. And so it's like this continuous labor, this continuous effort, this continuous work for this goal of presenting people mature in Christ. And he says he toils, he, he's struggling with all his energy. And so there's toil, there's struggle. And struggle is the idea of contending or fighting a battle. It's a term that he uses in some of his athletic imagery. I mean, it's just this effort engaging in this. Paul, Paul works hard at proclaiming Christ, but he makes it clear that this effort doesn't arise out of his own abilities. He says it's with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. He ministered in Christ's power, through Christ's power. Christ, the one who's the sustainer and the creator of all things, the one who indwells Paul, strengthened him. Is there human effort here? Yes, but it's human effort joined with God's enabling grace. We can trust God to enable us, to strengthen us as we seek to present others mature in Christ. We are to minister in Christ's power. It is fully available to us. Rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in suffering knowing that others receive spiritual benefit. Seek to present others mature in Christ and do so by ministering in Christ's power. That's what Paul modeled for us in his ministry. These are things that we should pursue as we seek to help others come to know and to grow up in Christ. You know, I started off talking about the task before Drew and Cass to help our grandson Brooks grow up, to be a follower of Christ, to be a mature man who does good in this world. I talked about the work and the sacrifices that will be required of them to help Brooks and their other kids, Bo and Margo, arrive at this kind of, being this kind of men and women. They have a lot of hard work in front of them. Cindy and I are on the other end of the hard work of parenting. We have four kids. There's about 10 years between the oldest and the youngest. And so for about 30 years, we had children in the home. And of course, there's a different intensity at the different years, but I mean, it's like 30 years of hard work, and it's not like parenting is over, right? I mean, there's still some, some, some that's involved, but, but there was like these 30 years of hard work. 
And we had a lot of fun with our kids, but make no mistake, it was a lot of work. But you know what? Now, as we see our children and where they're at and what they're doing, it's not like they've arrived and, and they've got their issues and stuff, but as we see them now, there's just joy in seeing where they're at. And, and both Cindy and I would say, whatever sacrifice, whatever weariness, whatever hard work was involved in that journey of the hard work of parenting, it was worth it. It was worth it. And the same is true as we help others come to know Jesus and then come to maturity in Him. It is hard work. Paul is telling us this is hard work. It's not always easy. Sometimes it will require suffering. But as we seek to help others come to maturity, and, and we do so by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will use us. God will change lives. And we will never regret investing in others. It is worth it. God is worth it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the model of Paul's ministry here. And uh, God, we know that our calling is different. Paul was an apostle called by the will of God, and yet there's this common calling to make disciples. And so he models some things for us here that are really important. And God, would, would you help us to be people that, that really are willing to suffer for the good of others? God, help us to love others enough, care about others enough, care about others kind of eternal standing with you that, that we would be willing to, to pay whatever price it is to help them come to know you and to grow up in you. God, would you help us to have Christ at the very center of what we proclaim? And may we work hard at this in the power of your Holy Spirit, God, because you are worth it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together. Street.
Christ the Lord upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners hangs the lamb in victory see the price of our redemption see the Father's plan unfold bringing many sons to glory grace unmeasured today you can do so by placing your offering in the boxes at the back as you leave you can do so on our website as well as well as through the church center app and i'm going to lead us in a prayer uh, just as a reminder that our offerings our tithes our gifts they are all acts of worship seeking to advance the kingdom of god here on this earth and so let's pray this prayer out loud together today as the church giving god Just as we love because you first loved us, we give because you first gave to us. Out of gratitude, we bring gifts of money to be used for your kingdom work. With these gifts, we also pledge to you our whole selves. We give you our bodies as living temples. May we be your hands and feet. We give you our minds. May our thoughts support others and glorify you. We give you our time. May our presence encourage others. We give you our relationships. May our interactions be a light to the world. We give you our work. May we always strive to do our best and help others do theirs. We give you our play. May our leisure bring joy to many. We give you our hopes and our dreams. May our goals reflect your mission. Use these gifts, great God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
is simple as simple as love you welcome the children you stop for the one we want to see people the way Jesus does your kingdom is simple Lord teach it to us Kingdom is humble, as humble as death. This king is a savior who gave his last breath. So may we die daily, our pride they to rest. His kingdom is humble, and the broken are blessed. Hallelujah. 
sorrow, man of healing, you're no stranger to these feelings, for you walked upon the water, and you cried beneath the trees, so when I'm hurting, I'll remember that you bless this suffering, in my weakness I can offer, hallelujah on my knees. Cause only from this earth and valley can we sing of heights beyond what eyes can see. And holy, precious to our Savior, the story of our lives would be the offering, would be the offering. Thank you. 
Welcome everyone and good morning. We are so glad that you are here this morning. My name is Jennifer Culp and my husband Brady and I have been attending here at Faith for the past 13 years. We love to call this church our church home um, and I hope that you feel welcomed and cared for as you're here this morning to worship. We exist here at Faith to make disciples of Jesus who love God, love our neighbors, and love one another. And we look forward to worshiping with you this morning. In front of you in the seat back, you're going to find a connection card that looks like this. Um, please go ahead and fill that out anytime throughout this service. That's a way that you um, can connect with us here at Faith, as well as us to connect with you and be able to um, gain, just some, gain some insights of what's happening in the life of our church here at Faith. Um, if you prefer to fill that out digitally, you can do that through the, um, the Church Center app. There's a QR code that's found on the um, connection card, and you can just scan that with your phone and be able to fill that out digitally as well. That Church Center app is a great way to just stay connected. I know I go on and check for updates 